everybody, and welcome to the upcoming release of the iPhone 4. My name is Mandy Moore, and I am here with our new panelist, Jamie Hampton. Hi, uh, I'm Jamie, but when I joined this show, I thought I was joining Greater Than Code. Is that wrong? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Greater than code. I'm sorry. I did. I did make you that promise. I'm sorry. Okay. I feel better now. Okay. And uh, I'm here today also with Jessica Kerr. Thank you, Jamie. I'm really excited that you've joined us as a panelist, and I'm also excited that today we have two fabulous guests. The first one is Jen Schiffer. Jen works at Fog Creek as the community engineer on Glitch.com. She's also an artist, and she's extremely strong on the internet. Jen, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me again. I'm going to introduce uh, your second guest, a dear friend of mine who's in my apartment but in another room, uh, and that's Jessica Lord. Uh, Jess is a Node.js engineer, recently joined at MongoDB. She loves scented vapors and burning wood that smells nice. She also loves open source, and she builds a lot of it. Welcome, Jess. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So we invited you both to the show because... There was an interesting tweet storm the other day, and in this tweet storm, Jen credited Jess with the statement that the way we communicate on Twitter influences the way new developers communicate. Was that right? Well, actually, I was talking at Jess over lunch one day, (laughs) and it wasn't enough to just talk at her. I figured I'd tweet at everyone about this topic uh, I had recently spoken at a conference in Seattle called Deconstruct Comp, which was really cool. It was like a polyglot conference. And I gave like a sort of satirical talk on how to be a real web developer. Only sort of satirical. Yeah, like because all of my satire has like a sort of moral to the story thing towards the end of it. So yeah, I guess it was fully satirical. But then I sort of went on this rant uh, at the end of it about um, how we portray ourselves on the internet and how new people are entering the space and learning how to communicate with each other through how we speak. So like, for example, um, if you're a new developer, you probably learn online or through like your instructors, like here are the people you need to follow on Twitter. So I get a lot of followers who are new to code and they follow me and I can see that they're like in a boot camp or something, or they they DM me questions and stuff. I'm like, okay, they're new, so I have to like be on my best behavior, I guess it reminds me to do, because they are not only learning how to code, but they're following developers learning how we communicate with each other and how we answer questions. And I think that we've been doing a disservice to the community by being jerks on Twitter, especially. And this is just something that I was kind of ranting about because I think like the parallel of that discussion, and I wish the video for this talk was out. It's not yet. The parallel was the JavaScript bread-making community, which, like, there's this weird... The what? <laughs> JavaScript bread-making community. Not JavaScript bread, but there are a lot of JavaScript developers who've <laughs> recently discovered that instead of buying bread, you could also make it at home, given the correct ingredients and ability to follow directions. And they've been, like, making bread and, and tweeting about it And, like, they're all, like, talking about how, like, you know, if you don't use self-leavening dough, then, like, GTFO. And I'm like, oh, this sounds familiar. This sounds like how we talk about programming. Like, this is all problematic as well. Of course, it's mostly men who are posting about the bread that they're making, which I think is kind of ironic. But, you know, it's (laughs) 
and we have fun. So yeah, that's what that conversation was about. Snobbery and bread making. That's so hipster. There's going to be snobbery and everything. That's just, that's what I've learned from communicating with people. Okay, so how do we change that? Because we're all part of everybody. I am definitely guilty of, I mean, I did this yesterday. Someone said something annoying to me on Instagram and I was like, go fuck yourself. Which I feel like was warranted, but then I was like, in retrospect, what they said was but a mild annoyance. Um, They actually reached out to me and, and apologized and I said like, apology accepted. Sorry, I was so cross in return and we had a good conversation about it. But that of course, was that private, conversation, right? That was private, right? So that conversation was in public. So I'll probably tweet later that the person apologized. When I get angry on the internet and I like lash out like that, it's in response to somebody being mean to me. If someone's tweeting about like a product I'm working on or something like that, and they're like, I don't get it, I don't get it, I'm not like, what do you mean you don't get it? Blah, 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 blah. I try to sort of empathize with them and learn what they don't get and sort of because. I mean, when, when I was on the podcast last, I had, like, my job was a secret. I think we called it my secret lizard job. And then, like, a week later, it was announced I was working at Fog Creek. And I work on Glitch. And so now my job, that's, like, partly DevRel, I have to sort of learn about our user and our potential users and, like, empathize with, like, the issues that they have related to the product. So I have to put on, like, I wouldn't say put on, like, a better face about those things, because I feel like my my online presence, I was already doing that. But I think that a lot of people can work on, I guess, improving the rhetoric around speaking. I mean, Jess can probably speak to this formerly working at GitHub about GitHub users and issues and how people speak and reply to projects. Yeah, I mean, there is a ton of work all of us can do in thinking about our communication skills and how we communicate and and understanding who we're communicating with and trying to possibly, you know, over communicate just for the other person's benefit. It sounds really lame, but I think a lot of this goes back to to just the benefit of being nice. We get on Twitter and when we're jerks to each other and when we're really tribal and defensive about our language or if we use semicolons or not, we are creating these communities that aren't welcoming. And that that, that does us a disservice in whole because everything we do will be better if we have more people and more different perspectives working on it. And so being jerks not only is like this cycle where we teach all the new people to be jerks, but we're also losing the people who don't want to come in to a crappy environment and we need them. Yeah. Or, or we need the nice ones to stay and not be driven out because that makes us in aggregate jerkier. And I think it's important to not, when we're talking about like teaching people how we communicate, I think people may get this idea that like, oh, it's cool to like be a jerk about this issue like you mentioned semicolons or whatever like it's cool to post mean jokes about it and then people will think I'm funny or whatever and I think that's like a perception that we we give to people yeah I guess like I guess I know for sure that there's the perspective that you want to give that you know something and so you can either prove that you know it by doing it or you can prove that you know it or some fake idea of knowing it by shitting on everything else around it, you know, just putting on this sort of machismo, like, you know, air about you. 
I mean, we've seen this with like uh, the early sort of JavaScript framework wars that were going on. The rhetoric was very toxic. And I think that it sort of hampered the community growth and therefore the framework growth of some of the frameworks. But now all of those, you know, framework organizations like seem to be talking to each other more and collaborating more on ideas of moving like JavaScript as the language forward. And I think that everyone's getting along better and the rhetoric is getting better. But I still hear about people who are like, oh, I don't use this because those people are jerks. And like they were online like three years ago, but it's a lot better now. But, you know, when you are looking at something new and your first impression are the contributors to a project alienating others, being rude to people on Twitter, I feel like a lot of people are less apt to want to be involved in that community because why would you want to spend your time outside of work or even in work in a toxic space like that's just to me I don't understand why people would want to do that and so I think that the rhetoric is not only better just for like new developers but also for yourself from a PR standpoint if you're working on a product it's just not good business to be a jerk so true Uh, Last week, we had Scott Hanselman on the show, and he talked about how it takes a lifetime of being kind on the internet to get a reputation for that, and just one mean comment, and people can remember it forever. But he has the, the amazing distinction of being known for a kind comment on Twitter. We talked about that last week, and... And uh, yeah, there was a civil discussion and people were like, oh, my God, this is the most civil discussion I've ever seen. And it had like hundreds of thousands of retweets. I know the bar is so low. Like, <laughs> I've, I've never met Scott, but we felt like I follow him online. And, and yeah, he seems like a really nice, like chill guy. And I always say about everything, the bar is so low. But the more people like him that can like have civil discussion with people who are usually not civil, especially with women, the better. I mean, we all can use like our like male allies. And a lot of that is getting involved in discussions that are normally uncomfortable for them and bringing it back down a notch so that everybody can be at the same level and discuss these issues together. It sucks that like, if I'm having a discussion with somebody and they're arguing with me, And, like, a guy comes in and explains to them, and they're like, oh, okay, like, it sucks that that has to happen, but at the same time, I appreciate it because I can argue until I'm blue in the face and it won't get anywhere. And I just have better things to do with my time. (laughs) Yeah, true. We have some family members that, when I disagree with them, I'm just like to my husband, Eric, you talk to him because you're a man and he'll listen. Yeah, you got to choose your battles and... In this sort of landscape of tech, there's just so many battles and like bike shedding going on. And sometimes I would just say, like, this conversation's unproductive. Let's move on. And it comes off very terse and bitchy, but I'm like, I'm very busy. Like, we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's kind of the least bitchy thing you can say right there. Yeah. Uh, I think arguing on the internet is really hard because you're not seeing the person that you're arguing with. And I think that that tends to like draw it out into these these long things where people get really mean where maybe they wouldn't in real life. And I have a really hard time like disengaging from that. I've been finding that like, I just have to be like, okay, someone said something mean and I just have to let it go. Like I don't have to have the last word because my emotional health is more important than having the last word with some stranger. But I still find that really hard to do in practice, even though I know that's what I need to do logically. And I'm wondering how you all like kind of deal with that 
making that decision to be like, I'm not going to spend my time engaging with this? Well, so one thing I think also, I mean, there's so many layers to this. There's, you know, how do people argue on the internet? But then I think still the root of that initial conversation Jen and I were having was about why the state of affairs is that it's so cool to talk shit about the things that the tools that you don't use, the frameworks that you don't use and the languages that you don't use, like that in of itself, like it's cool to be that way. And so we're teaching people not even like how to argue. It's about like, we're teaching people to get online and just be jerks about things that are different, which isn't that such a stupid fundamental human flaw. We're all scared of things that are different. We all want to, belong and feel like we're the same as the people in our community and our community is teaching people to fear languages and tools that aren't yours and that it's cool to mock them and it's just so exhausting when you were talking about things that are different and how we're scared of them and I think that's very true and I I got the impression you were talking about languages but I think also like people that are different is very scary for people and I think there's kind of two types of being mean, like there's being mean about like code stuff and languages and the things we do for work. And then there's also like being mean about each other as people. And those feel different to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because because earlier Jen was talking about how people being mean about frameworks drove other people out of those frameworks and they still don't use them because historically there was some meanness. As opposed to if you get mean to someone personally, you can drive them out of the industry or Twitter entirely. I mean, can you drive them out? I feel like because the bar is so low that a lot of people get to stay in. And I think that's contributing to this like vicious cycle. Oh, wait, I, are you talking about driving out the people who are mean or the people who are not mean? Driving out the people that are mean. You meant driving out the people that are not mean. The innocence. Yeah, I think that... In tech, it's cool to be cruel, you know, as opposed to cool to be kind. And I see it getting better. Uh, speaking to an earlier question about when do you know to sort of disengage from, from rudeness, I involve my core group of friends in discussions that I have online. Like if somebody tweets at me something I don't like or whatever, I have like a core group of local pals that... I'll send them a screenshot and, and I'll sort of rant about it in there and keep the rant offline because I'm just like, I'm not, I don't need other people to see that I'm upset like all the time. Cause I don't want the perception that people have of me to be, Oh, she's upset all the time. Cause I think that that's detrimental to my career that might be stifling like the problem in tech, but that's just how I feel like I can better handle my business. And I think that I'm also like publicly up, like angry at things enough to, for people to know that I don't take much shit from others. But I'll like say something to in our group chat and I'll see what their reaction is. And, and if they're like, whatever, you know, just move on, whatever. I'm like, I, I trust them to tell me whether I should um, escalate or not. And I think that's very important. Of course, I happen to have a very like awesome, expansive core group of friends in the same industry. But if you're the only developer of your friends, it might be hard for them to empathize with, as like a woman, the constant microaggressions that come with existing, period, let alone in tech. But just sort of finding a support system where you can be like, hey, like, look, look what this jerk posted, like, whatever, man. 
don't know. That's sort of how I go about things. Um, and I mean, and that also applies to conversations outside of tech, but I don't get nearly as much shit from people outside of the industry as I do inside. But that's also because most of my life is this industry at the moment. So if you're looking for a community like that, a group of friends who can support you, you might try our Greater Than Code Slack, which if you donate any amount on Patreon, even a dollar once, you get an invitation to our community Slack and people there are really nice. I agree. I've, I've been in the, in the Slack and everyone there is very nice and always has really good questions. So it's Jen approved. To the point earlier about like if we were referring to driving out jerks or driving out the nice people who see that everyone's a jerk. I also think there's something to be, I don't know, discussed around the hero worship around individual contributors and thinking that smart people who contribute a lot, but are jerks are people we still have to find a way to deal with. And I really truly believe that if you're not nice to people, then you can't be smart and we don't need you like being good to people is smart and I really don't believe we need I mean so yeah but this is I mean it's a different issue than just like culturally us teaching people to be jerks about coding but still sort of within that world about what do we do with individuals who are just jerks all the time but we feel like they contribute a lot of code I mean I feel like so what if you're not nice and you're not smart yeah Yeah. I mean this actually this is a really great topic I think to discuss because we've seen a lot in the past people invited to conferences who are known in the whisper networks to be predatory homophobic racist transphobic just like not good people and you hear from some events like well this is about code it should be about code and everyone's like it's about code not about like their other feelings like focus on like their work while everyone's sort of forgetting that programming is a human thing like we we are solving human problems using code like we're not solving problems for like a like a sentient robot that has nothing to do with like society like we're solving society's problems therefore allowing people who are bad to society to build solutions so-called solutions to solve those problems sounds extremely problematic and illogical to me the code is not central to what we do. It's a material that we work with in our problem solving. And if you were building like a skyscraper, would you be like, it's all about the metal. I don't care what the shape of it is. If the metal is pure, that's all we care about. <laughs> right. And if someone designs a building that looks like it's like not going to like hold enough people, it's like, yeah, this building is being built for people. And, you know, when you have a humane perspective on things and you care about people, you solve a problem that involves all people. Otherwise, you know, we have so many buildings, at least in New York, that are old that are not handicap accessible because the people who build those things don't think like, oh, well, what about wheelchairs? And like in 2017, like now we have laws that require people think about that. But it's just like, it it kind of boggles the mind that people have been using wheelchairs for a really long time and we've been ignoring them. And the same thing is going on with the web. There are people who have been hard of sight or blind, hard of hearing or deaf, 
not able to use keyboards or can only use keyboards. And because we, many developers are abled and they just don't think of those things. We've been building like a really shitty worldwide web for a large population of people. And so it's like, of course you need to have empathy in order to like be a good engineer because what we're doing now is not cutting it. Uh, so when there are people who are like, oh, it's just about the code and the code is inherently about people. So yeah, you're right. Like, <laughs> why are you arguing against me? Like, stop inviting racists and sexual predators to your conference. Yeah, conferences yeah. are not about Hard code. Stop. Conferences are all people. I completely agree. And I, there's an old tweet of Jen's where she talks about, she just says your code doesn't matter. And, and I love, you know, when it makes people mad, but it's absolutely true. Your code doesn't matter. I mean, I can get real worked up on this, <laughs> but I mean, humans are able, we've been able to do all that we've been able to do because unlike many other species, we can communicate with each other. And so I believe that all that we can accomplish comes down to how well we can communicate with each other. So your code doesn't matter. If you can communicate, if you can be nice, that's what matters. And that's what's going to enable us to have nicer, better things. Yeah, it's easy to not let racists and sexual predators into your conference. And it's easy to not let jerks be a part of your project because the better your spaces are, the better your communities are, the better people you're going to get in them and the better contributions you're going to get in the long run. And let's face it, somebody else can write that code. Yeah, I think it's a total fallacy to be like, well, this person contributes a lot, so you know we can't lose them. We can't, we need them because if someone is contributing a lot, but like their meanness or their bigotry is keeping ten other people away, then those ten people would be contributing more than that one person is anyway. This contrasts productivity and generativity. So generativity I define as the difference between your the team's output with you and the team's output without you. There are plenty of people who are personally incredibly productive, and yet their contribution to the team or the community is a net negative. That's a really interesting way to think about that. Jen, I want to get back to your original story about um, somebody said something mean and you reacted with meanness. You reacted with, fuck off, dude. And that wound up being constructive. Because in this case, it clearly wasn't like a serial offender. It was someone who actually did give a shit. Yeah, turns out, he, well, he messaged me and he was like, I'm a fan of your work. I'm sorry that, like, I was annoying. And yeah. But it's also productive in some ways at a community level because when we see people reacting to meanness with rejection, then we understand that meanness is rejected. This is the tolerance is a peace treaty thing. Part of enforcing tolerance is being intolerant of intolerance. True. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, like, in this situation, it was just some. He said something. Well, I think he he made a comment that said, "Don't mean to mansplain, but." And then he continued to mansplain me, and, as soon as, <laughs> and that that was the "go fuck yourself" response because it was just like you knew it, you knew what you were doing, and you did it, and then you ended it with like a smiley face emoji, which drives me fucking bananas whenever a guy replies to something in a snarky or annoying way and ends it with like the winky face emoji i'm like you know what you're doing 
and you're that's you're like, that's like that, but I can get away with it because I'm a white dude face. Uh. Right. I'm <laughs> like, what on what planet do you think I find that or you charming? You know? And I think I think a lot of that has to do with again the perception that people have of, of me and, and all of us online. You know, I feel like a lot of guys see how my close friends and I, who we're all in the same community and they want to be in that community how we banter with each other and they'll see like, you know, my best friend, Brian, uh, I think for example, my best friend, Brian, once, like when I walked into the room, he's like, Oh, here comes this bitch. And that was like, it's a joke. Like, this is like just how we talk. But then at my meetup, Jersey script that w- one of the attendees was like, Hey, come over here. I guess he had brought some friends with him, wanted to introduce me. And he's like, Hey, look, it's this bitch. And I was like, excuse me. Like, you don't get to say that to me. And he like apologized, but I was like, you understand that like, if you heard that from like a close friend of mine, like you don't address me that way because we have different relationships. I was kind of worried because it was at like my own meetup and I'm like, yeah, that's like not okay. And teaching him that that's like not okay. But also understanding like, this is because of how you saw me and my close friends interacting with each other. So you thought it was okay. So I'm like, well, I can't get like, I'm not going to tell you to go fuck yourself because it's my own meetup. And also I can understand why you would think that's okay. But also I'm going to tell you that it's not okay. Cause you should know that our relationship's not the same. So right. it's, like, it's a slippery slope that as a community organizer and a public person, I have to like deal with. But that's, but, but, but exactly, exactly. It's, it's a slippery slope, which we can react to proportionately which is also part of the peace treaty is proportionate response. And you responded in a way that like corrected the misconception of what was appropriate, but yeah, you didn't tell him to go fuck himself. And it's tricky though, because how do we draw that line sometimes between like failed attempts at banter and like actual meanness? I feel like sometimes it's obviously one or the other. And sometimes it's, it's hard to tell. Also, I think that the, the venue of the interaction provides an important distinction. So like this at, was at my meetup, which I consider work. It's part of my work. So I know I have to react a certain way and act a certain way. And I have a responsibility. The guy I responded, go fuck yourself to, to mansplaining was in my Instagram comments. Uh, and so like Instagram is what I call my chill space. There's usually no conflict. And I post my art and he was responding to how I like made my art. And so that's like a different venue. It's not work related. And that keyword, like, don't mean to mansplain, but, like, that sort of is, like, why I acted that way. And, yeah, it's hard for even me as I'm I'm still learning to rein it in before I, like, make a gut reaction, especially, like, in a public space. So it wasn't a proud moment, but in my brain I understand why I made it. Would I do it again? Maybe on Instagram because now people have seen it and then it's like, well, then why are you <laughs> saying that to me? You know what I'm going to say. But I don't know. Again, it's probably this is probably one of the hardest parts of being uh, a visible woman in the industry is learning how to interact socially with people who don't know how to socially interact with people. Because there's another consideration there. Like you talked about the venue and and yeah, who's watching? So like when your friend Brian was like, here comes this bitch, that had an effect on the people watching. And not everyone might know that he's like a really close friend of yours. And so they get confused and then they get the wrong signals and then you get to correct them. But correcting them is also providing information to everyone else present. 
Yeah. I think the ideal situation for the this bitch introduction would be if this guy had saw that and he went up to Brian and said, hey, you don't talk to women that way. And then Brian would say, you are correct. Jen and I are, are best friends. Like, this is like how we interact. And I would have been like, yeah, it's it's fine. But you are correct. That is typically how you shouldn't. That would have been yes. the ideal adult utopian conversation. Yes, yes, yes. Which gets to the things that everyone can do, that every white man can do to make this community more welcoming to everyone else. It's when you see that comment, when you see, oh, I don't want to mansplain, but just say that's not cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And say it publicly so that people can see that does get rejected in small ways proportionate to how dumb it was. We've talked a lot about teaching by example, like in a negative way, like teaching people to be mean. But I think that we're also teaching by example in a positive way all the time whenever, you know, we're acting cool and reasonable. Like personally, I know when I first kind of started getting involved with tech Twitter and following people, I was like, oh, I can't, I, I don't want to shit post anymore because if I'm just silly and I post silly nonsense, like now I have followers and they're going to, they're going to judge me for it or whatever. And then like, I saw lots of people I respected posting silly nonsense. Like I follow Jen and I follow Aaron Patterson, tender love. And like, he just shit posts all the time and everyone thinks it's funny. And it made me like not in a mean way, just in a really silly way. And it made me go like, oh, I can still post silly things and still be, you know, a professional. And that was a huge epiphany for me in a way. And I really appreciated there being other people on Twitter doing that kind of thing. So I think it's important to look at, you know, the ways we're teaching people that they can be casual and be themselves and be funny and be nice too. So do post about your bread making, but don't diss other people's bread making. Yeah, or just like make bread and not post about it. It's bread. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to or, keep tw- I keep I'm trying to keep Twitter funny, and y'all are like posting loaves, and I'm like, ugh. That's or put the bread on a cat. Yeah, keep it interesting in that way. Put the cat in the bread, like like a one of those like spinach dip bread bowls, but like with a kitten inside or two kittens. Oh, I disagree. I want to see everybody's bread. I think that's Breadedcats.com is not a thing anymore. I'm so sad. I'll, I'll okay. I'll allow bread then. As <laughs> as, as owner of Twitter, as Thank owner of Twitter, so the website, y'all can post bread, but be nice. At my job, we post a lot of pizza because one of my coworkers r- literally wrote a book about how to make pizza dough, and there's a lot of trading of p- pictures of pizza happening on my Twitter, and it. It's really a lot better than people yelling at each other. So I would recommend it. Pizza is just more interesting bread, honestly. I was telling Jess uh, earlier that all food is a vessel for sauce. So when I see people eating foods that don't have sauce on it, I'm like, what are you doing? But I don't say that because I don't want to shit on how people live their lives. But in my head, I'm like, you're doing it wrong. Um, More butter. It's called self-restraint. Some people on Twitter (laughs) could use that. But pizza is like, you know, the ultimate vessel for sauce. It's interesting to hear you talk about the different ways that you practice self-restraint because that's not the first word that comes to mind for you based on your satire and your Twitters. I mean, 
I always have a lot of things going on in my brain that need to get out and be expressed in some way, but I also do have a huge filter. So people think I don't have one, but I'm like, oh no, there's a lot of things in my head that like you will never hear or see because I know that it's like not appropriate in a current context or it's just like super extra and I'm like, I'm going to rein it in. So I do try to like not, um, talk shit about people unless they're themselves toxic, more toxic than the shitting about them. And I also try not to complain about other products that people are working on. I try to reach out privately if I have an issue with something, unless it's Verizon or Chase, because or, or like flying. But even then, I like try to like tone down the complaining because those are just like default things to complain about or like internet, phone, and and flights. It's like, we get it. It all sucks. So like, why like noise up Twitter with, with that? But, you know, I mean, I, I'm working, you know, on a product now glitch and we had relaunched right after I was on the 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 podcast I was last on with y'all. And, you know, there are some people who've written blogs about it and we're getting really great feedback, but then there's like some that just like say like, I don't get it. I don't like, why like do this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it sounds like this could be like a private conversation that we can have, or we could have a public conversation. But I found that like when people um, complain about things and the who they're complaining about reaches out and says like, oh, I would love to get feedback. It reminds that person that it's a human that they're like talking shit about and they'll either sort of ignore it or like backpedal. I love watching people backpedal. <laughs> Like, I love that, like, moment where they're just like, oh, no, no, I don't mean it that way. And I'm like, I, it's just like a satisfying moment where like, oh, they're like realizing that somebody is like a human being. I mean, this happened with me and Gamergate. They were like investigating me for a very weird reason. And I like found out what was going on. And I reached out to them on Twitter. And I'm like, hey, if you have questions, ask me. And I like, try to approach them like a human just so that they would see me as a human and like stop trying to find out where I live. And it actually kind of worked, which was very strange. So that experience made me learn that like I should approach other things in that way because I guess first priority is my safety. Second is my cats. And yeah. So if everybody can work like work that way, I feel like the world would be a much better place and we'd get a lot of better code written, honestly. We wouldn't have to wait five years for the iPhone 4 to have like a period tracker in its health app or something like that. You know, there'd just be like a lot more empathy for everybody that's using stuff. And like we talked about earlier, reaching out as a human to a human, that's an awesome thing to do. But if you don't get an, a to a human response, Fuck that person, and you are not obligated to continue being nice. Yeah, I mean, that's how I try to approach people. Like, a lot of people say, like, oh, you're nicer in person than you are on the internet. And I'm like, I'm a very nice person. But if you do say something that rubs me the wrong way, I will tell you very, like, abruptly and, like, upfront, like, I don't like how you said that. And a lot of people, especially men, are not used to being told immediately and straightforwardly that they did something wrong. And then that's why their perception of people like me is like, oh, she's not nice. Like if you say, I don't mean to mansplain, but why don't you just do it this way? And I say, go fuck yourself. Like I'm seen as mean, but like, no, that me saying, go fuck yourself might overpower the original person's like offense. And it's more about me 
being angry and explosive than that person knowing that they're going to mansplain and then doing it and just being able to live their life while I'm like angry on Instagram on the 4th of July. (laughs) But I think that being straightforward and telling people when they do something wrong immediately is really like a kindness to them. Like if you're a good person, you should want to know when you're coming off as a jerk, like right away. So you can stop doing it. I think that being straightforward and communicative is ideal. And as someone who's known for being straightforward and very communicative is definitely like screwed me up sometimes in job situations, in relationships and stuff like that, because people are just not used to it. And it's a cultural thing, I think, because I have friends who are so used to that, who grew up a similar way that I have. But I can't teach everybody in the world how to, like, communicate better. Lord knows I try, but that's just sort of something that I have to deal with. So that's why I say that I sort of sort of grow in this industry, industry learning how to interact with people that don't know how to interact with people. I'm not dumbing down how – or, like, I'm not uh, sort of decreasing my social skills in order to be at the level of some people – I'm sort of trying to teach them, but it is very exhausting. It does lead to the consequence of some people thinking that I am very hard to work with and deal with, but I'll accept that because you can't please everybody. Can I ask a weird question? Yes. Because it'd be like weird, silly question time. What's like the most bizarre mean thing someone's ever said to you on Twitter? The most bizarre mean thing? Um, Not like the meanest thing, but like the weirdest mean thing. I posted a selfie, as I want to do, and uh, some guy, he said something, he responded to something, and I forget what the conversation was, but it ended up him saying, your eyes are awful, like you are also awful. (laughs) I I actually have it on my website, genmoney.biz, in my bio. I have it open now. I say my text, uh, I say uh, my visual art has been described as neon abstract pixel erotica and my text satire has been described as your eyes are awful. Like you are also awful. It was like, I get what he was trying to say. Like my eyes are like asymmetrical, like my eyelids. And he said something about how I look like I have crazy eyes and that you must've seen some shit. And I don't know what I responded to, but it wasn't mean. And he just said, your eyes are awful. Like you are also awful. And it was just like very poetic and I just, I don't know, I, I loved it. It was, like, harmless to me at that point. But, yeah. So I'm like, I oh, I'll just use this as a defense mechanism, humor, like, and just turn this into a joke. I, I think putting it in your bio is, like, a pretty good shield. Yeah, I like, mean, I, I like also that. know that my eyes aren't awful and I'm not awful. I mean, my eyesight is awful, but I don't think he was talking about my eyesight. Maybe it was secretly, like, your optometrist. <laughs> get like a postcard in the mail like it's been a while your eyes are awful you were also awful unless you come to dr wong's in the next two weeks for your checkup (laughs) shouts out to my optometrist dr wong and jen you had a point there about how you can take it as hilarious because you do know you're not awful and that's another thing that we can do for each other in our communities is to remind each other that we're not awful because once in a while it gets hard to remember. Yeah, and we have times where we do feel like we're awful. I have times where I feel like maybe I am awful. And if I heard that at that time, it probably would have had a greater impact, which is why we all can do a lot better with 
the words that we use because you never know what situation someone is gonna end up in someone is going through when they're being mean online so empathy is required for both the offenders and the offended i believe yeah because usually whenever somebody says something negative to me i try to remember that that is coming out of their context and their day and whatever the heck ran over their foot this morning and it's usually much more about them than me and when somebody says something positive i'm like oh that's all me Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, please, no one stop telling me how awesome you think I am. Like, I mean, don't stop. <laughs> Whenever I see people just generically shit posting JavaScript, I know it's because they're really insecure. <laughs> and I don't get as mad as I could get. Maybe that's bad to say. That's the point I got to after, because I haven't been in tech for a long time. I mean, I switched careers in like 2012 and started working full time in 2013, but I knew JavaScript and I worked at a giant Ruby shop and people were always talking smack against JavaScript. It just like, it was so cool to just talk about how bad JavaScript was. And I don't know, after years of that, I just, really came to realize people were just insecure. <laughs> Not that that's an excuse, and that's the whole point of this talk, is, like, it shouldn't be cool to, like, shit-talk other things. But now I just feel like I see straight through it. I really like it. And and it's true, because Ruby takes a lot of shit from people who believe in static typing. <laughs> I was recently told... That I was at a, this was in real life. This wasn't on Twitter, but someone was like, Oh, what do you do? And I was like, I'm in tech. And they're like, Oh, what do you, like, what language do you write? And I said, Ruby. And they were like, Oh, so you're not a real programmer then. Oh my God. Seriously. And I'm sorry. Writing Ruby is way harder than writing other languages. Other languages. And I was just like, What? Like, what? And he was like, Well, it's a scripting language. And I was like, This is like a Twitter interaction happening <laughs> to my face. It was so disconcerting to me that someone would say that, like, right to my face. It's like that display of judgment is a display of ignorance. Because if we really understood the purpose and context of something, then we wouldn't see it so shallowly. But I'm sure that person probably heard somebody else insecurely joke that Ruby wasn't a real programming language. Right. right? So it's learned behavior that's just getting perpetuated. And I think the more absurd someone says something to me, the less likely it is to upset me. Like, if someone comes on and, like, says, oh, I think you're a freak, I get all mad. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. But if someone comes on and says, like, well, you're not a real programmer because you write Ruby, I can just be like, well, you don't know anything about me, obviously. And I feel like it's easier to be like, I don't need this person's approval because I don't care about them when they're being just over, like absurd like that. Do you experience the same thing? Yeah. It's, it's like the awful eyes thing. I mean, really, really, what do you know about Jen's eyes? <laughs> Unless you are her optometrist, in which case it might actually hurt. My eyes are in excellent health. <laughs> My prescription excellent. hasn't changed in three years. I go regularly. <laughs> 
Okay, so one tradition that we have here at Greater Than Code is reflections, wherein everybody in the call names something that they found particularly interesting or that they're going to think about more, or maybe that's a call to action for them. Who wants to reflect? I'll reflect. Reflect. <laughs> I mean, it's really just reiterating this thing that keeps hanging in my head about our hero worship of individual contributors and thinking their their value is in the code. And I just want to reiterate that if the only the one thing you can do with code, then you're not very valuable, that you are way more evolved and valuable if you can work with humans and write code. I guess my reflection is along those lines that we all, even myself, have to not only accept that the industry means that we have to actively be learning like new languages or language features and, and frameworks, stuff like that. We have to be actively learning how to interact with people in the industry and people potentially entering the industry. So it's intense and there's a lot to do, which sort of warrant gives warranty to like how we make so much money doing it because it's a very multifaceted industry and very public facing, whether we sort of like it or not. And we also have to recognize that there are people who are not visible online and who are engineers, but they're at like, you know, finance companies or something like that. And they might not have the support system or the close friends in the industry that we have. And I have to continually like, remember those people when I'm either writing talks or talking to people on Twitter and, and knowing that they're watching and like learning how to interact with people through me, which, you know, no one ever like, I, I forgot who said like, I never asked to be a role model. I think it might've been Rihanna at some point, but in this industry being a woman, like you're seen as a role model by default and also seen as like the representation of all women, and that's something we can try to combat, but it's a thing that exists. So it's constantly thinking about that as well. It's a lot of things to think about all at once. I think that's why we burn out so easily. I want to reflect about something a little bit like smaller that got mentioned briefly, which was Jen mentioned how she would message her friends about people who were mean to her on the internet. I think this idea of being upset offline instead of online it has something to it to me because if you're upset offline, not only are you not, you know, putting your upsetness and your negative feelings out into the void always for everyone to see forever because nothing ever gets deleted off the internet. But also I feel like having an offline in-person support network, like I think it's healthier in many ways to deal with that kind of stuff emotionally offline and in person. I think there's a lot of benefits to that. And I'm going to try to remember that next time I get upset about something on the internet. Nice. That relates to my reflection. So Coraline is not here today on the panel because this morning she posted her story about her year working at GitHub and how that ended. TLDR, they talk a lot of values, but did not exhibit them. 
And Coraline was like, I have to take today off to just deal with the blowback because I know I'm going to get a lot of blowback from that post. So the, I mean, this is this is the kind of industry we live in where if she tells her story, she's going to take some shit for it. But there's going to be plenty of us who say, Coraline, you were great. Thank you for posting this. I think you were right. And the converse of Jamie's excellent point about when you're mad, approach it offline. I have the instinct to like tell Coraline privately that I think she's great. I agree with her post. I should tell her that publicly. So this is something we can all do is when you want to tell somebody they're awesome and your instinct is to tell them that privately, post it on Twitter. Make it normal for us to tell each other that we're awesome. And the same with like responding to meanness with like proportionate response. When somebody posts something that's not cool, be like, dude, that's not cool in public so that other people realize that it's okay to police meanness so that we can all be nicer. I think you're all really awesome and cool. Yay. You're all awesome. You are cool too. You're all so awesome. I just think everyone should just be fucking nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great reflection. Jess, Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. It's really awesome getting to chat with you. Hooray for Greater Than Code number 40. 